All right, here we go. So this week we have two parshios again. And interestingly, we're about to fall behind again, Israel, because Shavuos, which is coming up in uh, two weeks from tonight, Bezrash Hashem, um, is Friday and Shabbos this year. So for here in Chutz Laaretz, the second day Yom Tif is Shabbos, where we don't have a regular Torah portion. But in Israel, where Yom Tif is already going to be over, they're going to have the usual Torah portion. So we're going to, you know, we've been doubling up parshios to, to catch up. We're about to fall behind again, but we have, we have two parshios this week. Okay, so we have a double parsha again. So we have Parshas Bahar and Parshas Bechukosai. I would like to try to focus primarily on, on Bechukosai. Um, but there is, just, just to note, not Chasron to skip over uh, Bahar. Last year we did focus more on Bahar, which is why I want to uh, focus a little more on, on Bechukosai uh, for this year, but it's, it's important to just take note that Bez Hashem, outside of this year, when we go through the Parsha, to note the, uh, all the mitzvos in Parsha's Bahar are really foundational. It's what we call in, in uh, our vocabulary, Yesodos, Yesodos, foundations. Um, it starts with Shemitah, the laws of Shemitah, which is a Muna Bitachon, and understanding that everything is completely um, uh, owned and directed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then it gets into all the laws of the uh, interpersonal relationships. It gets into the, uh, the laws of um, when you make a sale, make sure you make a sale with somebody uh, in a proper fashion. Last year I quoted my father who taught us uh, to, never do a deal with somebody, uh, to never do a deal with someone if you wouldn't make that deal with your own brother. That's how he told me he used to involve himself in, uh, in business. He, he owned a, a dairy company, and he always made sure that his deals were fair to everybody. You know, it, it works out to my advantage, works out to your advantage, but it wasn't like you hop and you take advantage and, uh, you know, the whole thing. There was um, uh, an incident that happened a couple years ago. There's a lot of um, observant Jews in Lakewood who make their money off of Amazon sales. Okay, a lot of the yeshiva guys they don't have specific degrees, but they've they've learned the Amazon system, and we're dealing with like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Um, and there, uh, and they, uh, there's a whole WhatsApp chat of hundreds, probably thousands by now, of from people who all sell on Amazon, and they just like they engage with each other. Help each other out, share ideas. If there's a if there's a good distributor who's out there that they can make money on, they all share these ideas. So uh, a while back, one of these sellers on Amazon found um, he found um, iPads on sale. I believe it was for like ninety nine dollars, and he himself was an Amazon seller. The way on Amazon sells, they, they check what's going on from you know what the prices are. Eh? He found the iPads for $99, and he just, he bought out the hundreds and hundreds of, of iPads, and um, he looked up the seller, and he, the, the seller was, uh, was under the name Bardichever. Bardichever. So he, he sent an email saying... That you should know, there was probably a price mistake. It was probably supposed to be nine ninety nine mm. on the on the iPads. You put it down for ninety nine, so you just know I bought them all out, and so that you wouldn't lose any money. Oh. And as soon as they come, I'm going to send them right back to you. Wow. 
just, uh, you know, that's, that's how they, you know, he's bought up making sure you're taking care of another Yid. Make sure you're there. So you, you, you take care of a fair sale. You make sure when Yid and do business with each other is, is not to, the, the goal is not to uh, take advantage. And, and this is even when we're not dealing specifically with taking advantage. We have to be cognizant of the reality, and this is what I want to focus on just for, uh, before we get to Bechuk it's going to lead us in, we'll see how it's all going to segue beautifully, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made different people with different strengths and different talents and different know-hows for a reason. This is so that we can support each other. We can support each other. And sometimes we go through life with the American mentality of not only of how much money can I make, but how much money can I pull out of somebody? Like, what, what can I make off of this? What, what can I get from this? And one of the things that I, I think is, is a tyrannic approach, and I can't tell you for sure, but you know, this is just maybe a sensitivity that's been developed, which is to, to let other people earn a parnasa too. Right? Now, you could say it's different with maybe large, large stores. Nothing wrong with... with uh, you know, if uh, you have a large corporation, you have Target, you have Costco, you know, and you, so you want to ask them for a 10% discount because you're buying in bulk, uh, you know, something of that sort. But let's say you have a, a, a mom and pop store, something that's mom and pop and something smaller, and people are trying to earn a, a good, honest, decent living, and you're able to afford the price that they're offering. Just to be able to, like, mutcher another 10% away from them when I don't need that discount so much, like there should be a sensitivity there, right? There should be a sensitivity. Like if you have, if somebody's trying to, you know, it's kind of like we have uh, the, the, the uh, University City in this area. They, I don't know if they're still doing it. They, they had, like they shut down the block right over here and they make like a block party yeah. for the businesses. So a couple of years ago, she asked if the show wanted to do something. I'm like, what am I going to do? Bring a Sefer Torah? Like, you know, they have all these restaurants. So, so you know, and everybody's going to bring, put something out. I'm going to mezuzahs, like, you know. Whatever. So myself and Avi Roberts, who at the time was involved with the show, we put up like five chalins. And we just put up a stand. And we made, made Jewish food. And we just, you know, this is our congregation. It was a way, it was a way for us to meet our neighbors. And we made a bunch of, we made chalins, then we made different, we made like Jewish ethnic foods. And it was a way to just like, you know, uh, involve ourselves. But when I was trying, I told the lady who came around, she's like, yeah, we want to help promote local businesses. And there's a large Orthodox Jewish community here. She's like, maybe you want to get the kids involved. I was like, you know, I, I can't think of ideas. Like, I, what am I supposed to do? You know? So she says, you know, I notice all the Jewish kids are always making lemonade stands. Yeah. Maybe you guys like, maybe you guys, that's what you do. You make lemonade stands. Like, you know. Uh, but when you see a kid with a lemonade stand, these kids are like sitting on the corner like a little pitcher. You know, it's like, all right, I'll give you a quarter. I'll give you 50 cents. You get this cup. It doesn't even have ice in it. It's like warm lemonade. It's been sitting outside, nebuch, you know, all dejected for the past five hours. Some kid trying to earn 50 cents. All right, you can give a kid 50 cents. Give him 50 cents. Like, I was like, you know, like, let the kid earn a... Rachmanis. whether you need it or not, the kid's, the kid's trying to earn a decent living, you know. <laughs> Buy himself a cold slurpee because I'm going to get a hot lemonade, you know, <laughs> something of that sort. <laughs> but but that's the avoda, right? That it, it's when, when we're in something and we're dealing, and this is going to be an, you, you'll notice as you go through when we're dealing with finances, which is a, there, a lot of the mitzvahs and parshas bahar deal with finances. 
It's to do it in a way of thoughtfulness. It's to be thoughtful. Yes, a person needs to turn a profit. A person needs to earn a livelihood. But it shouldn't be like a go-get-him type of approach that very often we're taught to do, which is, you know, take advantage of somebody else. It's not take advantage. It's, it's, you know, I need to earn a living. You need to earn a living. If I have a specific talent of, or I earn my parnasa in one way and I can afford the $30 for somebody to do my lawn every other week, Thank you so much. Oh, Baruch Hashem, it came out. Okay. Um, and I can afford that $30. Maybe there's a sensitivity to let one of the kids on the block or one of these companies make the $30 if I'm able to afford it and I'm busy and, and, and I could do something else. As opposed to, you know, constantly like, what can I get? Like, spread out. Spread out a little bit. Like, that's how, that's how uh, economics works. And the, the, the Torah really wants that. The Torah, the Torah is letting us know when you're involved in a business deal with your friend, it should be something that works out with fairness for everybody. Yeah. Well, fairness, you know, aside, you know, the Muna really shines through when people do business with each other because the mindset of, I can't take away something that's meant for somebody else. So that's where the Muna comes in. Where, like, I know, like, my Zeta has a kosher <coughs> And then uh, the Parsh Bahar moves on. We'll just discuss one more mitzvah of Bahar. Um, and it discusses like the prohibition of interest, which is a real Parsha in and of itself, the prohibition of lending to another Jew on interest and even paying to another Jew on interest is also a prohibition. And this, this is a very, very, it, it's a sheer in and of itself because they're really, if you think about it logically, there's nothing wrong with interest. Nothing. So I'm allowed to do business and purchase something at, uh, for a dollar and sell it for a dollar fifty. Why can't I take my money for a dollar, give it to somebody, and then charge them a dollar fifty for that dollar? Like what's like if you think about it logically, it's regular business. Just like anything else. It's very interesting that that interest in and of itself is a uh, is a, a prohibition. But the terror takes this very seriously. The terror takes the transgression of interest very seriously to a point where it says that a person who makes their livelihood off of such a thing. Now again, nowadays the way that the economy works here in America is we take out mortgages, people take out loans on cars, that's considered regular standard debt that people live off of in our country. And if you have somebody who's in these, this industry, so there's ways about it. One of them, the, uh, the primary way that we work around it, if you want to, if you have a Jew who's in mortgages or in loans, is they, um, there's uh, something, uh, there's a document that's put together which basically changes the terms from a loan to being a business deal. So basically what the terms of the loan does, and this is what makes it permitted, it, you call it a loophole, but it's necessary in order because you, why would I, if you have a, a, a yid who can make an, a livelihood off selling mortgages, or you have a large company that's making a livelihood off selling mortgages, why wouldn't I give the parnasa to somebody, to, to a regular person who's offering me the, the same price? Why not give parnasa? The terror says you can't, but I want so what they do is, is they make a, a star, they write a document, which makes, it, makes the purchase of the home, specifically by a mortgage, into a joint business venture. <laughs> and the one lending the money, the way that they make money off that business venture is through the, uh, through the further payments that the other side is in, infusing into the business. And then there's a whole calculation of how this remains a sale as opposed to a loan. That's basically 
how it's uh, how it's uh, all all panned out. But the Torah goes so far as to say that a person who's who lends on interest is not going to be zayicha, uh, not even going to merit chiyas hamesim. Which um, there was a the it was a, a maisa the story with the. Uh, the Dubna Magid tells over that he was davening in a shul and he saw a Jew who was having a lot of uh, kavana when he was saying brachas in the morning, the morning blessings. And the Dubna Magid went closer to be able to answer Amen after the brachas. And when the fellow said, My neshama that you've given me is pure. You created it, and you're going to return it to me. And he started bawling. You're going to return it to me in the time to come. This guy is bawling his mamish. So the Dubna Magid asks him, he says, why are, you, why are you crying specifically over here? He says, he says, maybe you're nervous you're going to die, that God's going to take your soul. So he says, no. He says, you should know I'm very, very wealthy, and I make my money off of uh, loaning on interest. That's how I make my money. And I'm nervous that when my kids inherit me, they're going to take all my tens of millions of dollars and use it all up. And then by Tchiyas Amazim, I'm not going to have any money when I come back to the world. That's what he's scared of. People have big plans. Right? People have big plans. What's going to be, what's going to be, you know, by Tchiyas Amazim. So Dibna Magid says, don't worry, you're not having Tchiyas Amazim, nothing to worry about. You lend an interest. You're not going to be back here. Alts is good. There's another... Uh, you imagine people? Because I'll tell you a story. This is great. There's a guy in yeshiva. Uh, you have to know a little bit about how these semesters in yeshiva work. So, semesters in yeshiva work that in most yeshivas on the east coast, well, yeah, in the, the yeshiva world that I'm that I come from. So there's like a month off in Nissan from like around Pesach time. You get off. Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and you restart Iyar. In the summer, you're off for one month of Av. Okay, from Rosh Chodesh Av until Rosh Chodesh El. And then there's a couple weeks around Sukkot time. That's usually how the breaks work. A month Pesach time, a month in the summer, and then, okay, some of the yeshivas have more of a standard school schedule, the same. But that's, that's the deal. So there was a, there's a guy learning in yeshiva in the mirror, who wanted to he felt that it was time to start dating and try he's going to try to start looking for a shidduch and the semester the winter semester leading up to Pesach ended on like a Thursday so um, he wanted to go to America go back to the States and then start dating um, to get married and he had a Shiloh. His Shiloh that he came to Rebchaim Kanievsky with was, should he leave the semester a day early? Because if he leaves Thursday night when the semester's over, he's going to fly too close to Shabbos. And if, he, if, if it's too close, he can't take that flight because you, you don't want to risk flying on Shabbos. And if he doesn't take that flight, then he's going to have to leave Sunday night, which means he's first landing on Monday. He'll be jet lag for sure Tuesday. Which means he can't start dating anybody till Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> and then Pesach's already like the end of the next week. So he might get one or two dates in before Pesach. 
and and then after Pesach, he um, after Pesach, there's only like eight days left, another de- date or two. He's not going to get get engaged to anybody in five six dates. It's not going to happen. And and he wants to really go back to Israel. He wants to go back to Israel engaged for the summer semester. So if he leaves a day early, if he leaves Wednesday, then he'll land Thursday. He could already get his first date in on Saturday night. And then he'll have two more dates. So by the time he's done, so here's the Shiloh. Do you leave a day early, I miss a day of learning Torah, right? Because you, because you have opportunity to go back for the summer semester. Or should you stay? Or should you stay and not miss a day of learning Torah and then, you know, you won't get engaged that fast. Kanievsky, <laughs> you ready for this? You ready for his answer? He says, I think you should stay. He says, so what about coming back for Summersman? He says, no, you don't understand. He says, if you get engaged before the summer semester and you come back, your wedding is going to be the first summer of the, the first Sunday of summer break, and then your kids' bris will fall out on Shabbos. Forget it. He's <laughs> got it all worked out. He's basically telling him, "Go to sleep. Get out of here. You're not going to You have your life all planned out. You know what you're talking about." But <laughs> right? you think people are thinking ahead and thinking ahead and thinking. It's like. Take it slow. Take it slow. This guy's like, this guy's like, this guy's nervous. You know what's going to be? My kids are going to inherit me. I'm going to come back. But you know, it's like, really, you got it all planned out. We know what's happening in a minute from now. No, we don't know what's going to be in a minute from now. We don't know what's happening tonight. We don't know what's happening tomorrow. But that it's, it's fascinating how some people like they you know they mamas feel like they're in control like they they've got it down pat they know. But you do know that like they know. He Mason, he's not going to need his millions. Exactly. Yes, that's why he's fine. That's what Dubna Maga told him. He said you have no need to worry. You're not coming back. You're okay. Man yeah. Plans yeah. Man stopped and got locked. Whereas yes. I was talking to these Yaakov girls uh, the, uh, the other day, they asked me to speak to them, and I shared with them. somebody told me that they heard on a meaningful people podcast. There's a podcast that they interview. Meaningful people from community, and they heard. So I don't know who they're quoting. Somebody said, um, "The Yiddish expression is man plans and God laughs.'" Yeah. They said, uh, the, uh, "You can also say man plans and God plans better." <laughs> That's also a good one. That's also uh, right. It's yeah. also good. One. Yeah, it's got a different plan. Um, there's a, another story about this. Then we'll go into Parshas which is what we're supposed to be talking about. But uh, too much fun. Um, Rabbi Kiva Eger, the story in the, in the town of Posen, where Rabbi Kiva Eger was the Rav. Um, again, there was also a Yid who um, purposely took advantage of other Jews in, in the areas of finance. And the Hebrew Kadisha did not want to uh, bury him in the central part of the Jewish cemetery. They wanted to bury him on the outskirts of the cemetery. You wanted to take advantage of our community and hurt people, and then apparently he would inform on them, you know, in, in various ways and cause sorrows. You know, you made yourself an outlier in your life. We're going to make you an outlier when you pass. And the uh, the family insisted that, no, not going to be buried on the edge. We're, you're going to bury him in the center. He's a prominent, wealthy, you know, uh, uh, fellow. So... Um, however it all panned out, they finally agreed that if the, if the family were to give like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money, 
towards the free loan society of Posen, then they're maskim, they agree. So the family gets all angry and they go to Rabbi Kivager. And Rabbi Kivager was the Rav of Posen, and Rabbi Kivager said, the Chevra Kaddish is right. The Chevra Kaddish is right. They said, well, you can't take a What do you mean? There's somebody here. They got a, you know, he's already gone. He can't, why, you can't make us pay such money. So Kivager used this logic. He says, no, no, let me explain something. When a cemetery sells land, everybody knows that it's conditional that this is short term. There's going to come a time where there's Tchiyas Mason, there's a resurrection, and we're all coming back. So whatever real estate we're buying for the uh, six feet, yeah, so it's not long term. And eventually, they're going to get all their land back because it's not going to be a cemetery anymore. But your dad, he's there forever. So you have to pay long term. It's a long term rental. What's a, he's not coming up, so you got to pay more. That was, you pay more for long term. So that was your Bikivagers. That was your Bikivagers. Uh, all right, fine. All right, yeah. But okay, bottom line is this, this concept is uh, it's, it's pretty intense. And again, the Avaida is to. Uh, the is to, to realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us a way that, that uh, a Yid should be earning Parnassah and it should be done in a way where there's not only a Muna and Bitochen, but the good faith and the good will. Where, like we're saying, we're a family and, and the business is supposed to happen in a way that works to everybody's, uh, everybody's advantage. Okay, here we go. Parsh Bechukaisai. Let's move on to Bechukaisai. And we're going to begin by giving a number of blessings and then moving on to some more difficult, um, we'll call the curses that a person has if uh, we don't follow in the ways of Tyrus. It says, if you do follow in the, in the way. Now it says, in you walk in the ways of Tyrus. Which means we can't just be Torah, or we can't just be Torah Jews in a Torah setting. In a Torah setting. Or Shimon Schwab says if you're a if if you were a yarmulke or you, you dress like an Orthodox Jew, but you don't live uh, um, according to the rules of the Torah, so you're not an Orthodox Jew just by the way you dress. And he said this at a at a Aguda convention in the seventies when there was a whole thing about uh, apparently there's a few Orthodox Jews who were arrested for tax evasion. And it made the front cover of the New York Times. Sir Shimon Schwab said, "It's it's it's such a chil Hashem that they're calling them Orthodox Jews, because back then, Orthodoxy was also synonymous with Torah. Nowadays, it's not, but uh, back then, that's what Orthodoxy was. It was synonymous with Torah. And he says, so if a person lives like this, you're not an Orthodox Jew. You're going to live in this way. You have to you have to follow." In, uh, in the ways of Torah. Nowadays, we don't, the reason why I'm saying nowadays is different because as the communities have grown, it's become a way that people individually label themselves. It's not necessarily that it's synonymous with the Torah lifestyle. It's that I identify with a specific community. So it's different. It's a different, uh, you know, people say I identify as an Orthodox Jew. I identify as a conservative. All right, you identify. Do you actually live like a Torah Jew? Not necessarily. But this is who I'm, this is the group that I consider myself part of. That's different than than um, living as a Torah true Jew, which is somebody who's sincerely trying to do what Hashem wants them to do. That's it. You know, it's, it's, it's not about identifying with the community as much as it is identifying with trying to be uh, and, and to perform the, the, the will of Hashem in the best way possible, the best way that we're able to do. So to take it with us, not just in our shuls, not just in our Bismarck, but the way that we go out into the world, to take it with us, the way I play ball, the way I shop, 
things we talk about all the time, the way I interact, the way that I talk, telechu, you take it with you, you take the messages of Torah into our daily lives. That's mitzvot say And to protect and guard the mitzvot va'asisa mosam and and uh, to perform them, and to perform them. If a person follows in, in my ways, says Hashem, or a community, then you'll have rains. Gishmechem. Interestingly, we're familiar with the word gashmias, which means physical. Right? Geshem is rain. Geshem is rain. Gashmias is physical. Rain brings things that are that are physical. Rains is it says you know God holds the keys to rain, which brings the blessing. Rain is, is synonymous with blessing. So I'll bring rains in its proper time. The land will produce. The treats will give off their fruit. And you'll have too much. You have By the time you finish crushing and producing, you're already going to be harvesting the next season. And all the bracha is going to come. There'll be peace. Okay, now what does it mean there'll be peace? Rashi says, beautiful Rashi, life, life, a life Rashi. Shemra time, are you going to say, God says, I'll give you all the blessing. You'll have food, you have drink. Let me tell you something, this is so true, we all know this in our personal lives. If you don't have if you're not at peace with yourself, with myself, and or people aren't at peace, the world's not at peace, ain't clum. It's nothing. Ain't clum. You don't have anything. Nothing's a bracha anymore. You could have you could have everything else that could be a bracha. But if you don't have shalom, ain't clum. There's nothing there. I just had uh, a couple days ago, my kids were like, Baruch Hashem, acting normal. Out of control. It was, it was havoc. Nuts. Okay? And like, they, they were all in the mood. All in the mood to like, like, if you look at me, I'm going to punch you in the nose. Like, that mood. Don't look at me. Like, like seriously, they were like, uh, from top to bottom. From the two-year-old all the way up. All right? Top, like, bottom to top. And, and I just mused as this was going on. I'm like, guys, I feel like God. <laughs> Not because I think I'm God, but because I just imagine Hashem like looking down at us as Claudius. And he's like, can you just guys stop it? <laughs> like, I, I really don't care who's right. Can you just stop? Like, like stop. Like, what are you doing? Like, like I, don't, I don't care. Go, whatever you're going to do, just stop bickering. Like, cut it out. Just, Right? You're sitting on a couch, you're fighting over a pillow, you're fighting over who got a bigger piece, you're fighting over this, who, who, got a, who, you know, who was wearing a fancier nail polish and this is ugly and this is it. Mama, from anything you could imagine. They're just fighting. And you're just looking around and you're like, like, like everybody, like, woo. Like you kind of feel like that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us, right? I mean, it's so true in our own personal lives. You can have so many things going for you, so many blessings. But if there's no, if we're not at peace with what's happening, the, the mind is the most powerful thing out there. And if I'm not at peace emotionally with the setting I'm in or where I am individually, in Klum, I can't appreciate those brachas. And this is the blessing that we, that we have of Shalom. People think Shalom means world peace, no wars, much deeper than that. Much deeper than that. It's, it's a, it's a, 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 the word Shalom means completeness. Things are working, right? You could have... All of a sudden, everybody's together and just schmoozing. It's like, we, Hashem gifts us with these moments when we could be sitting, talking one-on-one to somebody. You're sitting at a dinner and sitting around the table. And everything's just like nice. You want, like it's a moment that could last forever. And there's not even anything specifically special that's happening. But people are just like, it's good. You know, they're shalom. It's like, ah, like, 
This could just, this could just go on, right? Because, because that's what Shalom is. That's, that's what Shalom does. And that's the bracha that we, we mention every day when we, when we daven. That's the bracha that we, we think about whenever Shalom is mentioned. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, when a person follows in the way of Torah, I'll bring Shalom. V'nasati Shalom. I will place Shalom. Otherwise, you can have a lot of things and not have Shalom. And everything else becomes a lack of bracha. Ushchavtem ve'in machrid. And when you lie down, there's nothing to be afraid of. This is referring to both at night at the end of the day, and it's also referring to when a person passes on. The sages teach us that, um, and I'll just give an example of how this plays out. Um, after a person passes away, there's a custom to recite Kaddish, or for somebody to daven, on, uh, on, on, to, to lead the prayers. What happens if there's multiple people who want to lead the prayers on behalf of a deceased person? Okay, so I'm... Uh, Somebody asked me to recite Kaddish for them. And somebody doesn't have anybody to recite Kaddish, to say, do you mind reciting uh, Kaddish for me after I pass on? I say, yeah, bleed not there. I try my best, do that. If somebody else who's reciting Kaddish also, they, they said they'll recite Kaddish for somebody. And you have somebody else who lost a parent. And, they say, and they're all diving in the same shul. And there's, you, know, you don't have four minyanim <laughs> for mincha. You're not having four minyanim. So what do you do? What do you do? Says the Pasuk, beautiful... When, you're, when there's peace down here, on earth, those who are laying in their eternal place, have nothing to speak, nothing to fear. Let me tell you something. The greatest legacy we can leave behind is that people are getting along with us, because of us. So Baruch Shalom says, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah? Maybe the person's not saying Kaddish today. Maybe it's But we're not Makhbir. We're not mocking. We're not. We're not standing up for my rights. And this is what it's going to be. Is it? I'm, I, I want there to be shalom. I want there to be peace. It's a bigger schus for somebody that somebody should keep shalom on their behalf than some, than somebody should recite kaddish. Rav Pam, as great as kaddish is, Rav Pam would say that when you say kaddish for somebody who's deceased, it's it's sending regards. You're sending regards, so to speak. The, the neshama is. The, there's a good feeling that comes to the neshama. And the neshama comes closer because that because I, on their behalf, am am proclaiming Yisgalav Yisgadash Rabba. I'm proclaiming that God's name should be revealed throughout the world and should be exalted. And since I'm doing it in their schus, so it's it's their merit. It's like sending regards to a person. He says when you do an action on somebody's behalf, that's like sending them a care package when they're away. There's a difference between sending regards and sending a care package. When you keep shalom on behalf of somebody, you say, you know what, it's in the schus of my friend that I learned to keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. It's in the schus of my parents. It's in the schus of my sister. It's in the schus of my spouse. The schus of my child. Whatever it is, colleague, that I am going to be careful in this way with my actions, that is a care package. That's a care package, and, and that's the greatest schus. That's when asati shalom ba'aretz. The greatest schus we could do is to make sure to keep peace, will lay down and there'll be um, there's there's nothing to uh, to be afraid of um, yeah now the, in order to do this and this is where we'll probably um, uh, wise inside uh, not be able to go further because I want to focus on on this pasuk really gives us the thrust of the rest of the partial which gets on to some of the curses and the the way to live this type of life of Shalom is by 
recognizing, the only way to do it is by recognizing and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the only true existence. That's the only way to, to, to get there. I'll give you an example. There's a, um, Shalom Shradron tells over a story that happened to him. I've, I've told it over here. He was at the Kaisel, and this guy with a motorcycle pulls up and sticks something in the wall, and the wind blew the paper to him. Remember the story? So I saw a, a similar story recently with somebody else that um, uh, this happened about 30 years ago. It was a boy learning in Kol Teireh, which where uh, Rav Shlaim Azaman Arbach was the Roshiva. He was learning in the Yeshiva's Kol Teireh in Rushalayim, and he came to the Kaisel, and he saw a uh, somebody who to him seemed like a non-Jew, Im Kippa Karton, with a carton kippa on his head. So like one of those paper, one of those paper kippas. Um, and he says this, he was a big, broad man, you know, and he uh, puts, puts this yarmulke on his head. He walks up to the wall. He, he uh, uh, stuck in a paper, prayed a little bit, and left. Okay. He turns around to leave, and the paper falls out of the wall. Um, and this uh, yeshiva bakr picks up the paper. He wants to know what this non-Jew is asking for. So it says on it like this. It says, it says hello, God. This is James from California. I came to your land a few days ago, and I have a request. Tonight, the Lakers are playing the Heat. If you don't mind, if you don't mind, I'm asking for a Lakers win. And I also, my hotel doesn't have the proper cable to watch the game. If you don't mind... Sending a messenger tomorrow morning Letting me know what the score was Because there's no other way For me to get the score Okay I'm staying in the Ramada 7th floor Room 734 Thanks in advance, James That's what it says That's the paper, hit us So this bucher is laughing This yeshiva guy is like He's laughing, he's having a field day So he decides he's going to pull the yeshiva shishtik. Yeah? <laughs> so he, he called up his parents in New York. And he says, listen, he says, do me a favor. He says, uh, tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, if you could look up the scores and find out what happened in the Lakers he game. So they started getting all nervous. What's our kid in yeshiva doing, uh, you know, being nervous about Lakers versus Heat? But okay, fine. That's what he asked for. So uh, they say, you know, his mother's like calls him back a little late. She's like, well, what do you need this for? You're not a, you know, she's like, you're not fun. He says, not nah, somebody asked me for a favor. They want another score. He says, okay, fine. So um, the next morning, his parents call them up and they tell him that the, the Lakers won. Lakers taco won. So right after Shachris, he go, the, this bucker takes the bus over to the Ramado Hotel. He goes up to the seventh floor, pushes, uh, goes to room 734. This guy opens the door and he says, God sent me to tell you the Lakers won last night. And this guy like fights. He's like, this guy's like, what? He's like, he's like, doesn't know what to do. He's like, what? 
he's like, hold on a second. He goes, he goes into his room and he comes out with $300 and he says, this is for God's angels. And he gives, he gives the guy $300 and he says, tell God thank you in my name. Just, just, just uh, give him a thank you. So this guy, he's, he thinks he's so cool. He's like, you know, he's like, uh, he goes back to yeshiva and he's telling his friends, yeah, I was at the kaisel, the van. And one of the rabbeim of yeshiva saw all the guys like laughing, having a good time. He's like, oh, fill me in. Like, what's going on? So they told him the story. Like, yeah, this guy cared about the Lakers heat, Meshuggah, you know, and, his, and he took a bus and he told him the score. And the rabbi tells him like this. He says, you should know, it's not this guy who's naive. It's you guys. You're, he didn't make a mistake. You're making a mistake. You think for a moment that Hashem's not involved in the Lakers heat game? You think Hashem's not listening to his tefillah? That to him this is important. He wants to know who won. Who won? He has a sincere tefillah. And he says, "You should know." He turns to this boy, and he says, "Oh, you're trying to pull the stick." He says, "You should know because of this guy's tefillah, Hashem made you take a bus to go to the Ramada to tell him. You're you're a messenger of Hashem without you even knowing. Right. You don't recognize it. This guy is a sincere tefillah. That comes from is involved in everything. You're, he he's laughing. He should be laughing at you. You shouldn't be laughing at him, right? This is how it works. The person has a sincere tefillah it doesn't make a difference." Where uh, where the uh, where the the tefillah is coming from? There's sincerity. There's there's truthfulness that's that's involved, and that's all Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants from us. He wants us to be sincere. We're learning in Dafyami. We're just going through yesterday and the day before. We're going through the sugya, the topic of of uh, flatterers. Discuss chanifim. It says that the a, a group of flatterers are not going to greet the shechina. Now, what's a flatterer? What it means? It's people who are insincere. It's insincere. I'm not sincere about something. I'm not, I'm not flattering somebody to make them feel good. What a flatterer in halakha is, in, in the Gemara is describing, when you flatter somebody for your own personal advantage. Right? I'm going to flatter you, even though you're not worthy of flattery, because I plan on using you. I plan on, right? This is why people who have blessing in their life, it's a, I'm telling you, I had a friend. I have a, a, a friend in yeshiva who married the daughter of a big, big philanthropist. Big philanthropist. I don't know the guy's bank account. You never know who's truly whatever. But this guy's a big name, million dollar wedding, you name it. So I was his classmate. I was a boy's classmate. So I was invited to the chasna. I can just tell you, I was, I don't remember all that was. Whatever. Young 20s. I, I was looking at the Kala's father and I felt so bad for him. I felt so bad. It's like I, I felt like you never know like who really cares about it. Like you don't know who cares about you. You don't know who's in it for themselves. You don't know who really who's your friend, who's not your friend. What would happen? You know, I, I I actually had a conversation a couple of years ago with my wife. We had a conversation, and we we're talking about something along these lines, and it had it had to do with with caring for people. It had to do with caring for people. And it somehow came around in the conversation where, where uh, we challenged each other to take somebody who's known to have a lot of wealth and pretend that they don't. Would you still look at them the same way? Let's say they lose it tomorrow. Would you treat them any different? If yes, you got to think long and hard about where you stand. Where do you stand in your relationship with them? What is it? What's it about? It's 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 something it's something that's very very important. Like what's you know what's driving me to 
be with somebody, to connect with somebody, if I'm not doing it in a way that it's truly healthy, I just remember myself at that wedding. I'm like, Nebuch, like I, like it, I, I felt bad for the guy. Like I felt bad for the family. Like, how do you really know, like, like who your friends are, who's not your friends, and who's there for you, who's there for themselves? And the the issue of a mechanif, the problem that the Gemara is very strong with the person who flat, who's involved in flattery, is because is you just end up living a life where there's there's no sincerity. We're just not we're we're not being real. We're not being true to uh you know to the way that we're that we're. Uh, uh, driven and, and what we really believe in. Um, just uh, one more idea on this topic is that it's connected to Parshat B'chukaisa. It says in B'chukaisa, I tell to keep my mitzvahs and toil in Torah. So it seems that if you listen to Torah, Sashem's going to give you the blessing and that we actually say in Kriyashma that in the, we say in Kriyashma If you follow the ways of Hashem I will give grass In the fields to your animals You will eat the Savata And you will be satisfied And in this week's Parsha The blessing is To eat bread to satiation Now notice There's no blessing for animals to be satisfied it says the animals in the field will eat and you will be satisfied. There's no bracha to be for, uh, for an animal to be satisfied. What's the difference? So my father, Zechariah would say, because there's no blessing for an animal to be satisfied. Once an animal eats, then what? There's nothing to do anyway. So you eat some more. Like, you shouldn't be satisfied. This way you can keep doing what you're supposed to do. You're an animal. So you graze, you nap, and you do what you do. But for a person, there's a bracha to be satisfied. Because now I've eaten, I've filled myself up with fuel, and I can go take all my day. That's it, right? I'm not living to eat, so I'm satisfied. And now I can go do something constructive. I could go help, be involved in my uh, industry, be involved in people, call somebody up, do a chesed, give somebody a smile, you know, uh, shop in the ways of Hashem, like we spoke about earlier. There's so many things to do. But there's a blessing to be satisfied so that we're not constantly looking, uh, looking for food. It's if we if we wouldn't be satisfied, there would be a klala. It would it would be a curse. So in other words, it's a blessing to be satisfied with our physical needs, so that we can not only use those physical needs, like by making a bracha on it and eating in the ways of Hashem. Everything there's many many myths we can do while we're eating, but also to be able to accomplish in in other areas of our life. And this is where I, I want to end off with this, and that is, um, I believe the Torah is giving us an important message here, and that is. To be satisfied means that we're also supposed to be busy with other things. Supposed to be busy with other things. It, it, there's a, there's, it's a good thing to be involved, to be, not to be busy with like nothing important, but to be busy with things that are, that are productive. And we have to think to ourselves, what, what is my mind busy with? Right? Sometimes our minds are busy with a lack of shalom. Okay? We're like, our minds are kind of eating us up with something. But we also need to put our lives in, in uh, the proper perspective. And, and uh, something that I once came across, I believe Rabbi Beryl Wine uh, writes this in one of his books. Um, he says that he advises that people think about this every once in a while. He says that uh, it's a little morbid, but it could put our lives into, into proper perspective. And he says, what, what, if, what if we could all think to ourselves, 
what we're doing right now is the last memory that people will have of us. You ever go to a shiva house and people are like, I remember the last thing she said to me. I remember the last thing she said to me. I remember the last time I saw him. I remember the last time I saw her. This could really jolt ourselves. Like what we can imagine that, you know, if somebody says, I say something to you, I say something to a family member, and then imagine, not me, because we don't want to create Ayin Hara or Al Tiftach Peh, but you have a person, you have a person, they say something, they get into the car, and then Nebuch, they're in a car accident, and they're gone. They're, they're, they're no longer here. So, what are these, like, what are they going to be, the last thing that they said to somebody, right? Were they talking about sports? Were they talking about things that made the other person happy? If sports made the person happy, then it was a mitzvah to talk about. It was something that was like, oh, I'm not really interested. You're just talking about it for yourself. So that's how the person could be remembered uh, in, in that way. Was it, was it, did I say something not nice? Was I, was I arguing? Was it, did, did I end off, you know, uh, just envision parents, siblings, spouse, uh, colleague, like we said before. And wouldn't it be much nicer and to, to end off with an I love you? Because people don't, we, we don't really get to choose like the last words that we say. But the Mishnah tells us that look at every day as, it's, as if it's your last, right? Do tshuva every day as if it's your last. Not to live with a, don't, don't be scared. But, but to imagine, like, how, how am I leaving off with somebody? Let's say this is the last time I'm interacting. How am I leaving off with somebody? If, with, with this approach, we're going to end up with the bracha of HaKadosh Baruch because we'll end up having Shalom Ba'aretz. We don't want to be remembered. I think there was a, there's some story. I forget where it was. It just coming to my mind now, so I forgot to look it up before. There was a lawyer who was, uh, there was like a who's who TV show. And there was a big attorney in one of the cities. And they were part of the who's who. They were interviewed. And at the end of the interview, the interviewer asked this person if he wants to hear his obituary. And he said, why do you have an obituary for me? They said, anybody who's like, you know, uh, a big tutzach in town, a big doer. So we, we keep notes on them this way. As soon as they pass away, we already have like a quick template. And we could just fill in some details. But we, we keep tabs on what it is. Do, do you want to hear like what we have, you know, what we have down? And he said, sure. And he, he read it. And he was, you know, it spoke about how he was... No, ultimately a good person, but a hard-nosed dealer and mm. tough on people and whatever. And, and uh, you know, the, this attorney later on was talking later. He says it really helped him, you know, change his practice a little bit. And the way that he addressed, because he, he noticed he wanted to be remembered in a different way than people really were seeing him. He wasn't that type of person, but that's how he was coming across. Right? So this is, this is a, you know, an interesting idea. But yeah, it, goes back, it goes back to the idea of Sholem. It goes back to the idea... Of, of being at peace with knowing that the way I'm living my life right now is the way that I want to be in this world, the way that I want to, to be in my reality here, the way I want my, my Elam Habit to be. If a person, Halavai, I'm not here yet, I'm, I'm not there. You know? But if we, can, if we can do our best to strive in this way, then we're going to receive all the brachas of Parshas B'chuk Kaisai, all the blessings that are here, both in this world and in the next world. Okay, we'll hold it here. Any questions? Go ahead. Huh? Huh? What about the curses? All right, so <laughs> we'll say a word on the curses. You want a word on the curses? 
All right, let's get a bar. We're, we're not done. We got to get a bar in the curses. Rebbe and Simon wants a bar. Here we go. So it says, this is Perechavav, Pasuk Yedal. What about if you do not listen to me? And if you don't do all, you know, all these things that, that I command you to do. So this verse seems to be redundant. Look at the words. It says, if you don't listen to me, you're not involved in the ways of Torah, and you don't perform them. What's the difference between take care? What's the no problem? What's the difference between imlay sishmuli and vimlay sasu as kola mitzvah as kola So the um, um, let's see. Yes, there was. Well, we'll answer it. Yeah, take care. No problem. The, uh-huh. Okay, so there was uh, uh, we'll, we'll go back to Parshas Bahar for a little bit One of the transgressions is, is uh, To lend to Jews On Ribis without the uh, Without the uh, workaround Of the Shtar, the proper document So there was uh, a, a Jew Who ended up Having a lot of the other Yidden in this town um, Have a lot of uh, a lot of debt to him And it got to a point where it was, it was out of control People were really, really suffering Because of this person And, and uh, he wouldn't change So they went to the Rav And the Rav They went to the Rav for help And the Rav in this case was not Rebbe Kiva Eger And the Rav says uh, I have to mention my sins today He says, I also owe this guy a lot of money I also transgressed and borrowed from him uh, on interest, and he's, he's, you know, he's got me tied up too. There's not much else I could do, but uh, he says I'll try to come up with an idea. I try to come up with with something. Okay. So, a uh, little while later, one of the residents of the town passed away, and there was a levaya. They at the funeral, so they asked the the rav to speak. So the Rav knew that this Jew who lent on interest is going to be there at the funeral. So he decides, this is the end of life. Nobody takes, uh, we don't take any money with us, you know, at, uh, at the end. Um, so uh, it's a good time to talk about how money is not important. And they'll give the message across to this guy to stop taking advantage and running, running after the money. You know, there's a, there's a joke that there was a, a Jewish fellow who... Left behind a lot of money to his three sons And he told them That they could, in the will he wrote That you could have the money as long as You put a third of your inheritance Into Into the grave with me You have to bury a third of it with me <laughs> third of the inheritance So okay, listen, at least you got two thirds right? So they come to the Leviah And the first son The first son goes and he takes a third of the money And he very hesitantly Puts it into the grave The other son takes a third of the money Puts it into the grave The third son writes out a check Puts it in the grave finished. Yeah. Writes out a check yeah. Could deposit it whenever you're ready So After 120 I got, uh, But guess amazing <laughs> Come back. Um, 
So hope the check doesn't bounce from the earlier story, right? The guy's going to use up his money. So the, the Rav gets up to speak at the funeral. And he says, uh, you know, my beloved uh, community. He says, do you see what a person brings with them to Ilam Haba? Do they take gold? Do they take silver? Do they take money? No, all you take is the godliness that you brought to the world. Your Torah, your Maisim Tovim, your good deeds. That's all you have. And as he's speaking, he's looking at this guy who's in, and this guy's sitting there nodding his head, he's all, he's all in on this, the Rav's like, hmm, I might as well keep going, this guy's getting the message, see, he starts, you know, screaming about how the inimportance, and how people put too much emphasis on money, and uh, this, this time the guy's crying, he's sobbing, he's, uh, I was like, okay, job done, we fixed the problem in town, and uh, he says, you know, God should wipe away all the tears from everybody's faces, eh, okay, ends off his, ends off his eulogy. Okay, after the Levaya, so this fellow who would lend on interest, he comes over to the Rav and he says, Kvod the Rav, he says, Honorable Rabbi, um, I, got, I really need to thank you. I never heard such a, such a word, such powerful words at a, at a funeral before. Um, it's just so sad that the people who needed to hear it weren't there. So sad people in the air weren't there. He says, let me tell you. He says, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. He says, I know tomorrow morning, people are going to come to me for loans. And I'm going to charge them 50% interest. And they're going to say, come on, can you do 25? They should know. Money's not important. They should know. Like, what's the big deal? It's just money. You can pay me money. Yeah. So what happens? What happens is like this. Where does the curse come? So here we go. This is, this is the, the word I want to share on curses. The curse comes in the following way. Says the Apostle, If you don't listen to me and you don't do as kol mitzvah, what does it mean? If you don't do, If you don't do what the Torah asks you to do, then if you don't end up doing it, it's because you're not willing to listen to the truth. Curses don't come when I do the wrong thing. This is when I do. There's curses that come. Because this world says, listen, it's not, it's not a free ride in this world. There's consequences. But if a person is sincere, going back to the sincerity idea, person sincere, even if I do the wrong thing, you don't receive curses. It doesn't say if you don't follow my ways, you don't receive curses. You know what it says? The imlaisishmuuli. If you're not willing to hear what's actually being said, you f- I fool myself. I fool myself. And I think that what the Torah is saying is for everybody else. And when I'm doing something wrong, I'm actually righteous. That, that, that's the greatest curse. Because I'm not living in... Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm never going to hear the truth. I'm never going to be able to live in that fashion. And that's a curse for myself in, the, in this world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, unfortunately, if the world comes to this as, a, as society ends up being a klala to the world and nebuch things happen and it's an eternal klala. But again, the, the, the klalas don't come when I do wrong. The klalas come when it's, the doing is combined with the not willing, with the, the lack of willingness to listen. Okay. Now we'll hold it. Shukai. Yeah, for the sponsorship of that.